BMW. The 77%. Every year, thousands are trafficked across the world. I was taking out the trash one day. When I was coming back to pick my clothes, he followed me. He raped me. Often, unsuspecting victims are lured by the prospect of jobs abroad. Once they reach there and they've got problems, then they will start telling you that uh, me, I came through Middle East. When we check our database, they're not there. A victim of trafficking is today using her experience to create awareness. Now I also talk to young people who want to travel to Kuwait and other places about the dangers when they don't have any relative abroad. This is a 77%, the platform for conversation among young Africans. Today we are talking about human trafficking. I am your host, Michael Oti. Don't forget that you can join the debate through our Facebook page, DW Africa. If you recruit, transport, transfer, harbor persons through force, threat, or fraud, you are engaging in human trafficking. Last year, the Global Slavery Index estimated that 19% of all people in forced labor situations come from Sub-Sahara Africa. Today's show starts in Kenya. Baraka was a young, hard-working woman who wanted to take care of her family. A recruitment agency promised her a good-paying job in Saudi Arabia, but when she arrived, she was sexually abused, deprived of food and sleep, and treated less than human. Andrew Wasike brings us her story. Hundreds of Kenyan women are recruited each year for employment in Gulf countries as domestic workers, often with the promise of better working conditions. The women find out that the reality is quite different. Mary Baraka is a victim. She worked as a housemaid in Saudi Arabia. With scars all over her body, she narrates to me her experience at the hands of her boss. I was taking out the trash one day. When I was coming back to pick my clothes, he followed me. I tried to lock myself in the room, but he pushed it open. He was holding a knife in his hands. And then he told me he would kill me if I don't agree to what he wanted. He raped me. Baraka's passport was seized, so she could not escape. She continued to suffer racism, pay cuts, food, and sleep deprivation in some instances. Two months later, she found out she was pregnant. My employer's wife found out who was responsible for the pregnancy. She took me to the police station and left me there. We arrived at night. She left me there and told me she will come back for me the next day. That was the last day she ever saw her employers. 
Despite reporting her ordeal, the Islamic religious police took her to prison for having sex outside marriage. She spent the entire duration of her pregnancy behind bars. In the prison, they beat us every day. They never took me to hospital. I was having constant stomach pains that were new to me, but no one came to care for me. I never even went to any clinic. I took care of my pregnancy until the nine months were over. Eventually, through the intervention of the Kenyan Ministry of Foreign Affairs, she was allowed to fly home. She traveled as a single person, but came back with a young boy who will never know who his biological father is. Often people like Baraka are lured by recruitment agencies. In Uganda, these agencies abound. Their job is simple. Recruit domestic workers for jobs abroad. Andrew Seguia is the public relations officer of Middle East Consultants, one of the leading recruitment agencies in Uganda. Actually, what the traffickers do, once they see who is exporting this time, Middle East, how many people does Middle East uh, exporting? A hundred. Remember, that is the airport there. By the time you say, oh, there is this, there is... And even those who are being trafficked, they don't know they are being trafficked, but they are told you are going under the names of Middle East. Those instances are there. Once they reach there and they've got problems, then they will start telling you that uh, me, I came through Middle East. When we check our database, they are not there. When they get complaints, Seguia explains how the company deals with them. We've got three categories of people. We have no problem with those who are certified. They don't even actually complain, which means things are going well. Then you find some who are homesick, but they will definitely give you an excuse. They'll say, oh, yeah, we've been mistreated by the employer. I'm being beaten. I'm denied food. When I'm going to, when I'm sick, they don't take me to hospital. So, okay, fine. Two things. Do you want to change houses? Yes. Then you know there's a problem in the, what? In the house. That might be a genuine reason. But then, these contracts, they run two-year contracts. So six months down the road, somebody can come. No, they are, I'm being mistreated. Okay, what do we do for you? We change houses for you. No, me, I want to go back to Kampala. Then you know there's a problem there. But... Should you want to change houses, we take that very seriously. Then we know there is a problem in that house. This person is willing to work, but the conditions are not conducive. So what happens? We, we take you to another house. Although there are laws, enforcement is lax. Earlier this year, Middle East Consultants, for instance, was suspended by the Ugandan Ministry of Gender, Labor and Social Development for extorting money from recruits. Despite this, the company continues to operate. According to the International Labor Organization, forced labor alone generated an estimated $150 billion in 2014. This creates an incentive for trafficking. So how can young people protect themselves? Let's head to Gambia, where our correspondent, Omar Wali, is seeking some ideas. My name is Amijub, a survivor of human trafficking. My name is Fatou Kamara. I work with the Fatou Network and I am also the owner of Broken Treasure Gambia. My name is Usman Dur. Um, I'm a banker and I'm also an entrepreneur. My name is Basiru Kedabo. I am a teacher by profession and I'm also an activist. So, Ami, um, you are a victim of human trafficking. Why did you embark on uh, such an adventure? 
Well, first of all, I will say um, what led me to this journey was, um, um, I can say trust, because it was a person that I trust so much, whom I consider to be a brother of mine. He was an immigration officer working in the immigration department. So he was the person that promised me a job in Egypt, that um, if I happen to go there, my life will change, I will live a better life. Basiru is Gambia bless enough for young people to stay here and make it here actually i can uh, quite concord with that gambia is blessed enough for young people to stay but uh, the government isn't making any effort to make sure that the gambian youth believe in themselves that they can make it home because going back to the previous government and then coming now to this government you will learn that uh, they achieve nothing for the youths i mean you tell us when you arrive in egypt what happened well my dreams were shattered what I was promised and what I come to see was quite different. I was promised a decent job, but not knowing that I was going to work as a mate. So um, reaching in Egypt, seeing myself in the places that some part of our country were quite more civilized or more, I can say, more structure, structuralized. So I was so, so disappointed. Fatu, should victims and survivors of human trafficking be blamed for what they have been through? Well, obviously not, because most of these people, they don't even know what they're going into. They are being uh, misinformed, like she, like she said. She didn't know that there was what she was going into. And for the fact that uh, someone was in a room for like two weeks, not seeing the sun, as he, claimed, as he said, is something I would have died if I was in her position. So if you said someone, like if... At some point, a person knows what they are going to. That would not be, that would not qualify as human trafficking, because then the word trafficking, the definition would not be there. So it's something that they get into being by miscommunication. They are not being told as to what exactly. They are told A, and when they get there, it's B. So I don't think they should be blamed. I don't, I don't think so. So, Ami, you were promised $450, but you end up receiving $50. So afterwards, what happened? Well, I was promised before I leave the country that every month I will pay $450. So the first month that I worked, um, worked, my madam didn't pay me. The second month, too, she didn't. So I was like, I went to her directly and asked her, where is my salary? And she was like, salary? You don't have any salary with us. I was like, why? She said, um, I have given that money to the agents that brought you here. I said, no, but I am the one that is working. I should be paid. She said, if you want something um, clear, just call the agents that brought you here. So that was how I called my agent um, that were there, um, the Nigerians. So when I called them and asked, um, I worked for two months and I didn't receive any payment. And they were like, yes, because um, you have to work for one year, um, some months or 11 months, then you, um, f- for you to return the ticket money that we paid for you. And I was like, what? They said, yes. I said, hell no, I can't do that. So... When my madam gave me the $50, I told my, the, the, those agents that, what am I going to do with this $50? I am a lady, I need some stuff for myself, and I need to send my family back at home some money. So this $50 will not be enough. And they were like, who cares? You have to work, and every month that's what you will get. And I was, we, by then, I feel so shattered, then I start crying. So I have nobody to talk to. I have nobody to consult me, so when I am stressed, all I can do is just to sit alone and cry. Fatu, 
What is the solution to this problem? I think it will be very good for youths to try and you know, do more inquiries about this human trafficking um, issue, how it goes around. As like, For example, now me hearing her story is going to be like a lesson for me. If somebody else come and tell me, I want to take you to this place, this and that and that, I will be like, okay, this is the story that I had. So, which means if I am to do this, this is what might happen to me. So, I think uh, the youth should start finding out um, stories of this human, tra- uh, sorry, stories of the survivors of human trafficking. Basiru seems, Ami and many other Gambians went through a lot of difficulties. So, if you have the opportunity, will you also travel to Middle East countries to look for greener pastures? Yeah, of course, I will, because... Uh, Hearing from Ami, you know, the difficulties that she faced in foreign land, you know, as I saying, there's no place like home. If home is well organized, if there are job opportunities, if youths are being into, you know, they are given opportunities to be into entrepreneurship, they are given the support to do agriculture, which could be served as the backbone of this nation. Obviously, there will not be anybody who will leave his or her country. Notwithstanding, the government is not doing any effort to make sure that they remedy some of this problem that the youths are facing, you know. So obviously, yes, I will go out if I have the opportunity to. So, Ami, how did you manage to escape from that situation? There were these students, Gambian students that were in Egypt, that formed um, an organization there. So there was this man, um, Ali Ujalo, who was the, their president. So when he heard in the news that there were some Gambian people that were captured and they are in the prison, he happened to come direct to the prison and ask for my name. I heard that some Gambians are here, and the other person's name is Ami. Where is Ami? So I went out to speak to Aliu, and he was like, okay, we will try by all means to send you back to the Gambia, but it will take almost two months for you to go back to the Gambia. I was like, what? I cannot spend extra two weeks in this prison. And if that happened, had to happen, then I would rather die inside the cell than staying here for two months for or waiting for you people to prepare for my um, travel of going back home. So it was this Senegalese people that helped me. Mustafa helped me buy my ticket, prepare my document, and that was how I happened to come back home. Gambia, when it comes to you know, protecting its citizens that are outside of the walls of this country, there is always a problem to implement the laws that are, you know, laid down there. So they need to start taking things into action and they need to start fetching these people that are in this country trying to put people in journeys like that. I believe that uh, there should be laws that are there to protect the citizen from disseminant trafficking. Disseminant trafficking is a new idea or is a new ideology of modern slavery, you know, to enslave somebody out of their will. Osman, finally. Yes, finally, I think two institutions have a stake in this. One is as individuals. You, the individual young person sitting outside there, don't wait for the government to do anything for you. Get a skill, get a job. Try to do anything, carpentry, mechanic, missioner. All these sectors are in demand in this country. Try and get yourself a skill that you can sell. Young people right now are lucky to have people like us, survivors like us, to share our stories. I mean, let them learn and grab these opportunities. Because he who faces it knows it better. And we are the ones that face it. 
we are the one go through those torture. We are the go. We are the one that went through those traumas. So I mean, if we happen to sit and tell them this is what is there, let them um, listen wisely and think twice before they do do any move or take any steps. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. We have come to the end of this debate. I thank you all for your time. That was Omar Wali from Gambia. On our Facebook page, we asked you how young people can protect themselves from traffickers. And Echo Mesa says, the system must work. African leaders must be sure almost every citizen gets their fundamental needs. We need free access to education, affordable housing, as well as vocational and technical training. And Okonkong Asukuo says, the major reason many people want to leave their home countries for other nations is that they see no hope of getting any means to work and live like human beings. If African governments want to stop human trafficking, they should first create an economic and political environment that provides jobs and economic opportunities for every one of their citizens. Wars, corruption, tribal politics, bad governance, these are the things turning Africa into an endangered place where people run and seek shelter elsewhere. Enoch Mensa says slavery is a huge disrespect to black people around the world. That is the problem that Africans must solve. And Afresika says sad, very, very sad. The videos and stories are chilling. Africa, we have all it takes to rewrite our own story. And it's never too late. Let's change the mindset and change our attitudes. Doris Sarkodier in 2014 traveled to Kuwait. She suffered abuse and at a point had to jump out of a moving car to escape sexual abuse. She eventually returned to Ghana and is rebuilding her life. I am happy I finally came back home to Ghana. My soul is happy because that journey was hell on earth. When I got to Ghana, I barely had any money on me. Now I run my own cosmetic business. Initially, I was working for someone, but now I am wiser. There is no pressure on me. I decide when to go to work and when not to. I am now rebuilding my life. Now she is an advocate against traveling to the Gulf. Now I also talk to young people who want to travel to Kuwait and other places about the dangers when they don't have any relative abroad. You are only going to be used and abused. So I tell them it's better to stay back in Ghana and struggle to survive. As for the Arab countries, I always encourage people from making such a trip. It is not good. Every year, about 40 million people are trafficked. It is a global issue with financial incentives. With law enforcement still lacks in many countries, you have to protect yourself. Said you love my truth, but I don't think you hear. Every week we address one issue important to young people. You can listen to our previous shows by visiting dw.com forward slash 77. 
The debate continues on our Facebook page DW Africa and also on our YouTube page with the same name. We have very interesting videos. If you have a story that you believe the world should hear, leave us a message on any of these platforms. And until next time, I am Michael Oti. Thanks for listening. Not about what you run from. Whoa.